Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. From the Gert Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. For the last six years or so, Bruce Poinsett has helped to lead a program in Lake Oswego called Respond to Racism. It holds regular community meetings to engage people in conversations and anti-racism action. Now, Poinsett has launched a new project. It's a series of online interviews with people of color who have left the so-called bubble of Lake Oswego. Bruce Poinsett joins us now to talk about it. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So this new series is called Life After the Bubble. What is the bubble? Right, right. So Lake Oswego, it has a number of different nicknames. I think the one that's most uh, in people's purview and is also probably the most... uh, Problematic? Problematic. Incendiary is probably Lake No Negro. And the other one that I think I've heard the most growing up was the idea of the bubble. So... On one hand, geographically, it's just uh, there's not a lot of public transit, and it can be just difficult to get in if you're just going through 43, going through Dunthorpe to get in. Or I think it's not a coincidence that the two most diverse parts of Lake Oswego are the parts near I-5 going into the Oak Creek area or going into the River Grove uh, elementary area. So that's on one hand, but also because of just the amount of wealth and privilege and political power uh, concentrate in Lake Oswego and this uh, reputation as far as this very intense racism and classism, it's an area where, you know, a lot of people are not, people aren't going to feel sorry for you in that area. Hmm. So people aren't, the plight of black and brown people in the community specifically is kind of invisible. And also the level of accountability people feel to practice anti-racism, to not treat people like second-class citizens isn't really there. Because life is good for everybody goes the thinking? Yeah. yeah. Huh. It's like it, if everyone has, you know, it feels like people have the privilege, the resources, it's fine. And I, I understand that. But also it allows for a lot of really bizarre things to happen within the community. And sometimes those stories make the news when they're particularly gross. Like, you know, as uh, instance a few years ago, where some severed deer heads were left in a family's lawn next to their Black Lives Matter and Biden-Harris signs. Or, you know, the uh, honestly, what happens in the school district, which is kind of the uh, incidents or that were inspired life after the bubble. But for the most part, these stories don't make the news. And people, a lot of families of color have to basically fight these institutions on their own. Hmm. You do a lot. And I, I mentioned just one one aspect of of your jobs in my intro, but you're a writer. You lead regular community meetings to engage people on these issues. You have a radio show on the numbers, a Portland radio station. Why create this new project? Yeah, I just, I feel like, especially in Lake Oswego, the perspectives of former students of color is, is very valuable because one, they've been at the epicenter of sort of where some of the most intense visceral racism exists in the schools, but also they've had some time because this this series features students who graduated between 2006 to 2021, and it are you in that time period? So yeah, so I'm a 2007 graduate. Okay. A couple of the people I interviewed were you know either classmates or uh, teammates during that. So even that was interesting just to kind of get their reads of hmm. sort of 
shared collective situations. A kind of retrospective of, of your own life as well. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I mean, I'll just give an example. So, uh, former classmate, also class of 2007, Farbo Gangafard. Uh, yeah, we were both in seventh grade when 9-11 happened. And uh, he, during our interview, just talked about his experience as a Persian student in a post-9-11 world during this time of the war on terror, during a time of you know heightened Islamophobia and having to having to deal with just like particularly like all the crass media that was happening at the time and being the one on one hand being a recipient of all kinds of slurs and racist comments by his peers but then on the other hand having even teachers and people like look to him to also be the expert. Hmm. On you're you're a seventh grader. Explain what's happening right. in Iraq right now. Yeah, and just the intense psychological and just the intense trauma that comes from having to navigate that. And it's one thing in the moment, but then even having to process it afterwards and all the after effects of that. So, I mean, I think about that in this moment right now because. That's what a lot of this could be with the uh, Israel Gaza situation right now. A lot of students, this could be a defining hmm. moment of their experience in Lake Oswego and Clackamas County, and well, obviously throughout the country. Well, I'm interested in in the after part in in this new project because I'm wondering what you think that leaving a place can help you understand about that place. Yeah, it's. Just, I think when you grow up in an area like Lake Oswego that, again, is just so isolated, you you assume that's, like, how the world is. And then even just, like, Portland is not exactly, like, a bastion of diversity, but it's different. Even my own experience going to University of Oregon, again, Eugene is not a bastion of diversity, but it's a little bit different. And you just, you get one, you, you have an opportunity to connect with other people, in some cases, people who've kind of grown up in the same areas and are also having that aha moment, but then also being a part of whether it be social justice groups, whether it be just arts, community building, and getting to see like, oh, there actually is a different reality, and bringing that uh, perspective back either to the community or even right now. So. I'm wearing this, uh, obviously we're on the radio, but I'm wearing a sweater from Cultural Blends, which was started by another one of the interviewees, Troy Douglas, and has since become you know an institution. They have a store, Back to the Basket, on Hawthorne right now. They host uh, weekly, or they co-host weekly community building through basketball events called Hoops in the Park, now Hoops in the Gym for the Winter. But like all that experience is literally, or sort of like that was created based largely on a lot of these experiences from Lake Oswego and trying to create something different at, based on these, uh, you know, being able to connect with culture, community afterwards. Can you give us, you gave us a couple people there, but can mm. you give us a sense for the, the, the range of the people that you've talked to so far? Right, right. So, yeah, again, like talking about class of 2006 graduates through class of 2021, it's about 11 interviews and it spans across different races, backgrounds of students because I really wanted to, one, just give people, I think, current students a chance to see themselves, see people who've been in the places they've been. And it's also interesting just to, in that span, look at how similar some of these stories, especially like I, part of the project is not just meant to be trauma porn. I want to be very clear about that. Like there are stories of trauma, but there are also stories of what people have built and forged in the midst of Lake Oswego and have built and forged afterwards and created, whether it's just creating spaces for students, creating projects. 
And yeah, like I said, it's a, a range of different uh, backgrounds, ethnicities, experiences, genders, and just talking about really just trying to get into all the intersections of that, get into all those experiences and give it uh, just a little bit of the gravity it really deserves that I don't think happens mm-hmm. in a lot of these conversations. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with Bruce Poinsett. He is a program lead for the Lake Oswego-based group Respond to Racism. His new online interview series is focused on people of color who have left the bubble of Lake Oswego. The first full interview that you release is with Cameron Izuka, a recent high school graduate who talked about their fear of creating conflict or or not feeling safe to express their opinion, especially if it might make a a white person, even a friend, feel uncomfortable. Did that come up in other interviews as well, that that particular feeling of of not feeling free to to be who you are? Yeah, yeah. It's... uh... It's just, again, kind of like that common uh, experience of just, like, navigating on one hand because you are, again, it's predominantly white. This is kind of like the environment you've grown up in, normalized in. And that can be hard. I mean, even for non-students, like right now in our Respond to Racism work, where you are, just to be transparent about just, like, navigating a lot of white fragility and with any nonprofit, you know, no matter how big the roles or the membership is, oftentimes a lot of the work is being shouldered by a small few. So you don't, you're, you need help. But on the other hand, you don't, I don't know how else to put it. You don't want to scare all the white people off because the need for the labor is real. So I'm curious because these are issues that for a lot of white people, came to the fore in ways they had not been um, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. That was now a number of years ago, what people just a couple of years ago called the racial reckoning. But you've been doing this work before then, and you're doing it still. I- I'm curious what you think, if something has changed since that time that that we called the racial reckoning. Right, right. I mean... I'd say in Lake Oswego, so there's been, and I don't want to downplay this because there has been some changes in terms of, I think, level of awareness or at least levels of having these conversations in a sustained way. There's been one-offs and things like that, but, you know, I think there's a little bit more uh, familiarity, I guess, with having these conversations. But on the flip side, a lot... A lot is very much the same. It's, it's a lot of like cosmetic hmm. changes. So one of the things we've talked about over these years is just public art by artists of color uh, depicting community members of color, depicting issues that speak to community members of color, depicting culture. And I want to say right now maybe there's three pieces of public art in the entirety of Lake Oswego, which I think is the biggest city in Clackamas County. One of them most recently is a mural of my mother, one of the co-founders of the organization. It's on City Hall wall now. And like it's on one hand, you can look at that and say, like, wow, this is there. And obviously, to me personally, it means something. But also, when I look at the issues that students are going through right now, it's still the same things. I mean, to the point about Cameron, like they graduated two years ago and 
some of the things, some of the things that people might, you know, tote as measures of progress, like here's a DEI committee that was created. Here's this other thing that was created. Like these are things these students worked on and they went through a lot in that, a lot of demoralizing stuff behind the scenes in these experiences where they don't have as flowery a view as people on the outside, mainly white, mainly retirees, might say, wow, this is great. Look at all the progress we've made. Hmm. You recently shared some respond to racism work and life after the bubble work, if I'm not mistaken, with students at, at Lake Ridge High School. What did you hear from them? Yeah. So that that's always the interesting one, again, because you want to talk with the people closest to the issue. I mean, and is it fair to say, I mean, you said this earlier, that, that part of your reason for doing this was so those kids today, young people today, would would see this. They did. At least some of them did. Mm. I, I, what did they say? Yeah, it's um, – on one hand, it, it's funny because school district, like I said, school district touts us as a partner to the work. And you go in and talk with students and find out how many of them are actually not aware of what we're doing, which is interesting in itself. But also, I'll just point to one comment after speaking with students where – a uh, student of color, Asian student. I mentioned that only because that's the collection of Asian communities are kind of the largest minority group in Lake Oswego. And just came up to me afterwards and asked, you know, since there's so few of us, so like, why does it, why does this all matter? Which is kind of a, you know, it can be kind of heartbreaking to hear. What, why does this matter? M- meaning why you're doing what you're doing? Or, I mean, how did you even take, how did you understand that question? Yeah, so I I just took it as like you know why why is fighting for this important if you know there's so few of us and we're only going to be here for however many years and and if we're if we're not going to you're not going to accomplish what you think you're going to accomplish is that also embedded in the question? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, as I've you know had to learn in my own life and experiences, and you know being privileged enough to be around experienced organizers who've you know just getting counsel like this is you know this is beyond lifelong work you know everything we're doing is in this uh you know justice is i guess like a continuum this lifelong fight this or not even lifelong beyond lifelong generational whatever you want to call it but it is important to not and i understand how hard it is to not accept second class citizenship as like a norm so yes there may be fewer of students of color in general in Lake Oswego, but they deserve every right to be able to thrive and prosper just as much as anyone else, regardless. Like that's not, and even the fact that we have, uh, that there's kind of like this large collective acceptance of that second class citizenship, that's a problem. (laughs) So it's, you know, I don't know if I was particularly effective (laughs) in, uh, you know, conveying that whole point, but it is something, a larger thing I want to get across to where just because the second class citizenship is normalized both by students, but then especially by people in power, by institutions, that doesn't mean we have to accept it. And there is some, uh, there's power, I guess, in really pushing back against that. Bruce Poinsett, thanks very much. Awesome. Thank you. Bruce Poinsett is the creator of the new online video series, Life After the Bubble.
If you tune in to Think Out Loud because you love learning about what's happening in our region, you'll love listening to The Evergreen. This weekly podcast paints an audio portrait of the Pacific Northwest through the stories of the people who live here. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.